0: It's the January 24th, 2020 episode of Weekly Signals Meltdown. Broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as always, the candidate that nobody likes, Mahler, (laughs) the fake news dog. There he is. You heard that about Hillary, saying that uh, nobody likes Bernie Sanders. I got news for her. Yeah, she thinks
1: that they don't like Sanders. Yeah.
0: Well, I, you know, I voted for her in the general election. So did I. Yeah, I did. I didn't vote for her in the primary. No, but, I, you know, I, that's nor the did
1: way. I. There's something about the new Hillary, the new and improved Hillary. It's kind of I don't care. I think that's the vibe she's going for, finally. I'm never going to be the nominee again, and I don't care.
0: Well, she's not politically smart. No, she's not. It's just stupid to say something like that. And I
1: reject the notion that Sanders wasn't a good guy. He did campaign for her. The Democratic leadership, certainly at the beginning of the primary season, was... You know, every
0: time someone says something about Hillary, it's not a prompt for you to unload I understand. about the entire 2016 process.
1: Well, I'm still mad about it because for her to make the charge that nobody likes Sanders and that somehow he's yeah. not, he wasn't a good soldier when she was running for president is BS.
0: Well, if the Dems have any hope of winning in November, they ought to lock her up. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Lock her up. <laughs> Lock her up. Lock her up. Did you did you hear what Bernie said in response to the you know, what she said that yeah. nobody yeah. likes Bernie Sanders? Which I On a was... good day. <laughs> My wife likes me. <laughs> Today we'll be talking about low tech cities, the truth about the Trump economy, <laughs> West Point porn and more. Uh-huh. Yeah. But first, yeah. do you remember Perry the Platypus, Mike?
1: I, no, I don't. It was a
0: cartoon show.
1: I figured from and, the name and, that was and probably. Perry was
0: yeah. a, uh, he was like the platypus star of Phineas and Ferb. Okay. Phineas and Ferb. I vaguely remember yeah. the name. Yeah. Perry had this platypus call. <laughs> Did he? Okay. Yeah, it was very cute. <laughs> okay. Hey, Mahler. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I'm wondering if Mahler can do the call.
1: Well, I'm wondering too, Kenny. Do what a do
0: platypus, think? Mahler. Come on. Come on. Come on, boy. Do a platypus. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: that's really, that's that needs some work.
0: Try it again. Try it again. Ah. There he is. Wow. There's, there's my flat oh. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. That was fun.
1: He's like the Rich Little of dogs. That's right. I'm, that's Rich an old reference. Rich, wow. No. There's like Rich three little. people well, in the whole. Well,
0: people don't imitate people anymore <laughs> no, they, as a whole act. Right. They'll throw in an imitation, but it's hard to find an impersonator. Maybe Norm Macdonald. Does he do them? He does Norm (laughs) (sighs) Macdonald. From Science Daily, Australia's devastating drought is having a critical impact on the platypus. The duck-billed, beaver-tailed, otter-footed, egg-laying, aquatic mammal found only in Australia. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. A new study said action must be taken now to prevent the platypus from becoming extinct. The study estimated that under current climate conditions and due to land clearing, platypus numbers have been cut in half, leading to the extinction of local populations across about 40% of the species range there in Australia. Mm -hmm. A platypus seemed like a magical creature to me.
1: They seem very docile and very friendly and... And magical. And magical. Yeah. Oh, is that the, I mean, they yeah, got, the word? They got
0: a duck bill. Yeah. They got a beaver tail. Yeah. They lay eggs. They're a mammal. Wow. And the best you can say about them is they're docile. They seem docile. Meanwhile, the discovery of a perioscorpio venator fossil in Wisconsin suggested that the first animal in Earth's history to breathe on land was a scorpion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I
0: saw that. My cousin was bit by a scorpion.
1: My mom was bit by one. Wow, we have a lot in common. Yeah, we do. She was in the bedroom of this she our. Was of, bedroom. She was in the bedroom of our home in Tahunga. Tahunga. And one night, all of us heard collectively heard this loud "yeah" screaming. Right? She looked. No, that wasn't a scorpion. That, that was your father. <laughs> that was my dad. Yeah, he was in there. Yeah. And she came running out, and there was a scorpion that had. Locked onto her foot. Even. It was on her foot when she went no, out? No, that's yeah. a little bit of an embellishment. But she was bitten by a scorpion. Had to go to the emergency room because yeah. those things are obviously
0: yeah. dangerous. So They are. It was a big, the, that what, tail just stands up on end when they get upset. Yeah. From the BBC, scientists discovered that part of our immune system could be harnessed to treat all cancers. The finding has not been tested on people. Researchers say it has enormous potential. It does. The scientists discovered by accident a T-cell and its receptor that could find and kill a wide range of cancerous cells in the lab, including lung, skin, blood, colon, breast, bone, prostate, ovarian, kidney, and cervical cancer cells. Mm -hmm. T-cell cancer therapies already exist. The most famous example is CAR-T. That sounds like a female soul singer, doesn't it? (laughs) CAR-T.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: CAR-T. I'm going to put a copyright on that. You should. The most famous example of this T-cell cancer therapy is CAR-T, a living drug made by genetically engineering a patient's T-cells to seek out and destroy cancer. CAR-T can have dramatic results that transform some patients from being terminally ill to being in complete remission. However, the approach is highly specific. In other words, they find out exactly what cancer you have, and then it's... Tailored to that, and it only works on particular cancers. With a new discovery, researchers say their T cell receptor could lead to a universal cancer treatment. Right. Uh, yeah. By the way, I know you this is. I'm, I'm excited gonna, about by
1: this. I know this will irritate you, but I'm going to okay. refer people to uh, Dr. That, a documentary movie. Yeah, that came out this year called Jim Allison Breakthrough. And he was the one who came up with this pr- specific type of treatment. After years and years of being told that this was a crazy way to approach... You mean the CAR-T? Yes. This idea of the T-cell receptors and figuring out a way to trick them into doing what you're discussing now.
0: This was a new discovery, Mike. And it was found accidentally. I'm telling... He Uh, discovered T-cells that could treat cancer, not this discovery. The the general idea of
1: T-cell was he was the one who pioneered Ah. the idea that it looks like it could be a key... To essentially allowing our own system to attack the cancer cells. And what was the
0: name of that documentary again?
1: Jim Allison breakthrough. It was shortlisted for a best Academy Award for this particular year. So I'm just putting. Do you know that, how
0: little I care about that? And
1: see, this is exactly. Is it
0: available now on Netflix?
1: Oh, it's available all, all over. I believe really? it's. I won't say I know okay. it's on Netflix, there but let me is. just say for our listeners, but it's on
0: the shortlist for Academy for Award.
1: those for those avid yeah that Muller avid <laughs> yeah for the avid devotees of. For the avid weekly signals devotees who hang on our every word, they might want
0: to go deep dive into this particular issue. Or they could cancer. just read the newspaper. From the Intercept, the global response to the ozone hole, as it was known in the 1970s. Remember that thing? I do. Yeah, that was Right big. here at, at UCEI. Yes. We had Sherwood Rowland. Yes. Working on that ozone hole. He's the one who said those coral... <laughs> Chlorofluorocarbons. Chlorofluorocarbons.
1: Chlorofluorocarbons are the ones that are eating a hole in our yeah. atmosphere on our ozone.
0: That has been the, our uh, response to it, uh, been held up as a model for environmental problem solving. After scientists realized that chemicals used for cooling and in aerosol sprays were causing the Earth's protective ozone layer to thin, threatening to cause vast increases in cancers and other diseases. Countries around the world came together to fix it. Came together. Yeah. Even the city it. of Irvine did what it could at that point in time. Can under I? the leadership of uh, Mayor Larry Agron. He had a movie made about him, Mike. Did he really? Mary, Mary wow. Larry Agron. So it, for, it wasn't it, on the short list, no, It though. wasn't shortlisted oh, for no, Best Doc. Geez.
1: Well, it should been.
0: Even the companies that made and sold the chemicals chlorofluorocarbons, or CFCs, participated in the Montreal Protocol, the international treaty that began phasing them out in 1989. Since then, the ozone layer has partially recovered. Just two years ago, when some Chinese factories were discovered using a substance banned by the treaty known as CFC-11, they were met with condemnation, Mm -hmm. the Chinese were. Mm -hmm. China quickly addressed the problem. Now, evidence has recently emerged that U.S. companies are also releasing ozone-depleting chemicals used for everything from fracking to cooling. The resulting impact appears to be worse in highly populated southern latitudes where it could cause the most damage. Continued emissions of the chemicals could delay the healing of the ozone layer by up to 30 years. Despite the threat, the Trump EPA has not considered impacts on ozone in initial phases of its assessment of 14 chemicals with ozone-depleting potential, now being conducted under the Toxic Substances Control Act and does not expect to include ozone-depletion potential in risk evaluations of three of the chemicals. So the Trump administration, the Republicans once again, are just blowing it. U.S. companies, including S.I. Group... 3V Sigma and C.R. Bard, all of which are based in South Carolina, released 19.8 million pounds of CFC-11 into the air between 2012 and 2018. The U.S. companies that release the chemicals, undermining one of the world's biggest environmental achievements, have so far faced little pressure to stop. (laughs) Yeah. That's just crazy.
1: It is crazy. And one, another horrible, horrifying example, of, yes, yeah. of the Trump administration and its willful plundering of the, the world's environment.
0: Yeah. I think they. some of them really don't have any idea. You got a guy up there holding a snowball saying, world can't be warming up. I've got a snowball. Somebody that would sink to that level of stupidity.
1: Yeah. Well. M-
0: must not be able to figure much out. <sighs> Meanwhile, mm. in Russia, where less than half the population believes that climate change is a major threat, a representative in the Duma that's the legislative body there mm. in Russia. Mm-hmm. Representative in the Duma blamed the nation's warm winter on an American climate weapon. Mm. Yeah, we got them. We're <gasps> aiming him. Yeah. We're aiming them right at you. God, I got my climate weapon out.
1: Is that what that is? Yeah. I, I was gonna say. <laughs> is that what the kids are calling it now?
0: If this news sounds improbable, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to ground you? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free. Freeform, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. (sighs) From Wired. They've been around for a while. Yes, they have. They were kind of a hot magazine when they first came out because they were one of the first tech magazines. Yeah. A surge of new plastic is about to hit the planet. While you and I, Mike... Fret over images of oceanic garbage gyres. Yes. And we do. Yes, we do. You see all that plastic floating out in the ocean. Yep. You got to fret. I fret. Yeah. I'm not fretless. No, <laughs> no, you're not. Uh-uh. The fossil fuel and petrochemical industries are pouring billions of dollars into new plants to make millions more tons of plastic to screw up the environment. And why are they doing that, Nathan? Because they're asses. Well, that's. Companies companies like ExxonMobil, Shell, and Saudi Aramco are ramping up output of plastic, which is made from gas and oil and their byproducts, to hedge against the possibility that a serious global response to climate change might hurt their business. In other words, they won't be selling as much petroleum. Yeah, with climate change.
1: With climate change and and the coming new investments in renewable fuels, They they are concerned that oil will just go to waste. That it'll just sit in the ground and they won't be able to plunder the earth.
0: We won't make money off it, or they won't make money off it. The World Economic Forum predicts plastic production will double in the next 20 years. It's just so depressing. And because Trump's Republican fracking is unearthing, along with natural gas, large amounts of the plastic feedstock, ethane, the U.S. is a big growth area for plastic production. Yeah. The rest of the world's going to hate us and we should know why. I think if we stop today
1: the impact of what we're doing the world will look at us for generations to come as one of the
0: the primary reason why they're why they're three... floating in the ocean. Yeah. <sighs> Shell is building a 6 billion dollar ethane cracking plant, a facility that turns ethane into ethylene, a building block for many kinds of plastic building that in Pennsylvania, it's expected to produce up to 1.6 million tons of plastic annually after it opens in the early 2020s global emissions linked to plastic, now just under 900 million tons of carbon dioxide equivalent annually, could by 2030 reach 1.3 billion tons, as much as almost 300 coal-fired power plants. So we could just do that instead if we're so committed to suicide. We've got plenty of coal. Yeah. Just start burning it.
1: This is suicide on the installment plan. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. In addition to its climate impacts, petrochemical production can release airborne toxins that can cause cancer and other illnesses, and they can blow up too. That's why 2020 is so crucial. There are a lot of facilities that are in the permitting process. We're pretty close to it all being too late, said Judith Enk, founder of Beyond Plastics and a former regional director for the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. We used to have good people on the EPA. Now
1: we have lunatics who are cheerleading for this kind of thing to happen. Yeah. That's what's happening to the EPA. Environmental
0: Protection Agency. If even a quarter of these ethane cracking facilities are built, it's locking us into a plastic future that is going to be hard to recover from, she said.
1: I've told our listeners, there's one way out of this. And that way out is for the new president, Bernie Sanders. Yeah to essentially declare a national... Emer- Nobody likes him, Mike. I know. National emergency and nationalize a couple of these big, giant oil companies sending a message to the rest of them that we mean business. That we will, in fact, take charge of their irresponsible business model. That's it. Nationalize them.
0: That's a longer discussion. I know it is. I mean, it's easy to say.
1: Kennedy there did it to the a... steel industry. Truman did it back in the day. They have done these kinds of things in the past in a national, what they perceived as a national emergency. Believe me, I realize this is a like a, a grand slam trying to change the, the well, dynamic. Well, you'd end
0: up like Jamal Khashoggi if you were to carry that through. Yeah. From the Guardian, the case for low-tech cities. I kind of like the idea of low-tech cities. They call them dumb cities. Yeah, I I, I thought that was dumb. Yeah, me too. I call them low-tech cities. Yeah. that okay? I'm okay with that. Okay. A case for low-tech cities. High-tech smart cities promise efficiency by monitoring everything. Yep. But what if we ditch the data and embrace low-tech instead? What about that, Mahler? What do you think? Right. <laughs> he kind of likes his iPhone. Smart cities will be exceedingly complex to manage with all sorts of unpredictable vulnerabilities. Yeah tech products age fast and break down yes and each year we'll be having to upgrade right you know because Apple will jack up the system well after
1: they've spent billions of dollars in some city like LA or New York and they've got smart cars running around all day long no drivers what happens when somebody hacks what a terrorist or some idiot hacks a system and starts causing some real chaos
0: I'm thinking solar storms oh yeah there you go yeah solar storms exactly Exactly. For urban landscapes increasingly vulnerable to floods, adverse weather, carbon overload, choking pollution, and an unhealthy disconnect between humans and nature, there's a strong case for low-tech. Kong Jin Yu, a design professor at Peking University, creates urban landscapes in China that passively absorb rainwater. They're called sponge cities. I kind of like that. I like that. That's SpongeBob Square (laughs) City. We got uh, turn of the century cartoon theme today. Perry the Platypus. Perry, yeah, Perry the Platypus. And we have uh, oh, Squarepants City. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, yeah right, thank Miller. that. Wow, he's really, <laughs> really gotten good at that. Yeah. Uh, the parks have brought fish and birds back to cities, says you, and people love it. Yeah. So they've got these uh, parks that absorb rainwater. They used permeable pavements, green roofs, and terraced wetland parks that flood during the monsoon, and then they got fish there during the season. Yeah. Copenhagen, too, has opted for a low-tech solution to their increasing flood risks, namely a series of parks that can become lakes during storms. Not only can functioning wetlands defend cities against floods and restore nature, they can clean wastewater. Wetlands are fantastic for cleaning up our water supply. They They are nature. It's a big filter.
1: It is one giant filter, and birds thrive in it. Wildlife thrives. The planet thrives when, when in that kind of a situation.
0: And they can do it more efficiently than sewage treatment works, all while absorbing a whole lot of carbon, nitrogen, sulfur, and methane and creating a fishing industry and fertile farmland. No water, energy, treatment, chemicals, or fish feed required. The world's largest such system in East Kolkata, India, involves the city's sewage feeding the fish. It saves the city approximately $22 million a year in running costs for a waste treatment plant. and The water can be used for irrigation, saving an additional $750,000 in water and fertilizer costs.
1: It turns out that nature likes to kind of take care of itself. Who knew? Huh. They have these little systems in place wow. that have been developed over millions of years in which they are able to essentially continue to sustain life if left to their own devices. It's wild. And it usually goes
0: back to that state. It will. Yeah. Again, the planet will survive. Yeah. And it enables much of the city's food to be grown locally. Yep. As for low-tech transport, you can walk or cycle, especially on small excursions. Zero pollution, zero carbon emissions, free exercise. It's all there. (laughs) It's all there. Low-tech cities. And there's a low-tech solution to the spread of air conditioning. One of the greatest urban energy guzzlers, more plants. Just plant trees. Plant trees. Find a good place to plant them. Yes. You don't want to go to the middle of the desert and put one of these cities together. But there are good places for low-tech cities. A study in Madison, Wisconsin found that urban temperatures can be 5% cooler with 40% tree cover. And not only that, our good friend Mahler, he loves his trees. Oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah, Mahler. Yeah.
1: He, yeah, yeah. He can't walk by a tree without sniffing it. That's the thing. It'll take 20 minutes to go around the block no. with him. I mean, he stops at every effing tree. Well, there's a story in that well, tree. There, there's a story in
0: every tree. Yeah. 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 Whenever I walk, Mahler, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking he's reading a book when he stops at a tree. Yeah. It's all his friends have added been, a little bit who, of information yeah. and yeah. all their diets are being you know what, what are they eating? Yeah what's the
1: trend in, in yeah. dog food this exactly. week? Yeah and he's on it yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is somebody sick? Oh my God are Ralph's they feeling well Ralph's sick. Oh <laughs> yeah. my God, annoyed I'm gonna have to go over and see him I mean he does
0: obviously he's not doing well) <laughs> You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine, California. Visit us at Facebook.com/slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at kuciradio.tumblr.com on Twitter and Instagram at KUCI FM. Stream us live on TuneIn or go to kuci.org. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From Forbes. Leaders at Davos. You know that place. Davos is
1: the gathering of the rich and powerful. Yeah, every year, in Switzerland. Switzerland.
0: Yeah, you figured they'd be in Switzerland. They,
1: they used to move it around yeah. to different locations, but after a while it got messy because hundreds of thousands of people would gather in those cities yeah. protesting these obnoxious pigs' behavior and their continuing investment in industries that are going to destroy the world. Now they've moved it to Davos.
0: You can't get there. Unless you have a helicopter. Leaders at Davos planning for the upcoming decade heard that they face economic disruption of $12 trillion a year from industries that prioritize sustainability, trust, and inclusion. In other words, democratic socialism. (laughs) In a week, when the International Monetary Fund warned of slowing global growth, a climate crisis breakdown of corporate trust and slowing social mobility increasing investments in industries that prioritize sustainability trust and inclusion could double global growth rates over the next 10 years it's a good investment is what we're trying to say this green new deal and things that are moving in the right direction alternative energy they're all good investments
1: but those are democratic socialist ideas
0: Now whatever. They're New Deal Democrat ideas. Is is that easier to swallow? Exactly. Thank you. This is the equivalent of adding twelve Apples, Microsoft's, or Googles to the world every year through the 2020. That's the kind of revenue it can generate. That's right. A younger generation, more united across international boundaries, is already showing vastly different value systems from previous generations. 73% 73% of millennials are willing to pay more for sustainable products. They are more vegan, advocate lower packaging waste, and are more aware of their carbon footprint. However, governments are the bad guys. Yeah. Governments around the world continue to support fossil fuels through subsidies of $370 billion a year compared with the $100 billion a year needed to transition to a lower carbon economy.
1: I think you identified something that instead of my nationalizing the oil companies, and that is divert all of the subsidies going to fossil fuel into green technologies.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: That would be simple.
0: That's just a stroke of the pen. In the face of growing social, political, and financial pressure, it is increasingly clear that many of these carbon-intensive incumbents You know, the big oil companies Mm -hmm. could become the blockbusters or Kodaks of the 2020s by failing to proactively react to the underlying trends. Some of these uh, oil companies and big movers and shakers have moved forward to position their regions to capture this new $12 trillion a year opportunity. For example, China announced its big ban on single-use plastics, and California's governor announced an innovative $1 billion climate catalytic innovation loan system to stimulate and invest in new green technologies that could support companies like Microsoft with their bold $1 billion negative carbon Im- initiative. Right. And this
1: can't be a company hiding the ball, where they're positioning themselves to take advantage of the new technology that's coming into play while at the same time they cannot be continuing to develop the technology that's destroying the planet yeah. this has to be at least a one-to-one trade-off you want investments from government programs and nonprofits. you have to decrease that amount in your investment in fossil fuel yeah
0: from project syndicate the truth about the trump economy yes this is by joseph stieglitz smart guy yeah Uh, He's a public policy analyst and a Columbia University professor and economist. Just a good guy, too. Some people think that Trump will be tough to beat in November because even though he's a jackass, he's been good for the American economy. Corporate bosses are still talking about the continued GDP growth and record stock prices, but neither GDP or, nor the Dow is a good measure of economic performance, like we've been saying for the last decade. Exactly. GDP is just smoke and mirrors, really. It's, it's a measurement of what rich people are making, not how people in general are doing. <laughs> U.S. life expectancy already relatively low fell during the first two years of the Trump presidency. And in 2017, midlife mortality reached its highest rate since World War II. It's no surprise because no president has worked harder to make sure that Americans lack health insurance. Millions have lost their coverage and the uninsured rate has risen in just two years from 10.9% to 13.7%. Some of it is caused by what they call deaths of despair, caused by alcohol, drug overdoses and suicide. Given tax cuts that disproportionately benefit the ultra-rich and corporations, there was no significant change in the median U.S. households' disposable income between 2017 and 2018. Real median weekly earnings are just 2.6% above their level when Trump took office. That's not much considering the way corporations and rich bastards are profiting, and these increases have not offset long periods of wage stagnation. For example, the median wage of a full-time male worker and those with full-time jobs are the lucky ones, is still more than 3% below what it was 40 years ago. Exactly right. Nor has there been much progress on reducing racial disparities. In the third quarter of 2019, medium weekly earnings for black men working full-time were less than three-quarters the level for white men. Making matters worse, the growth that has occurred is not environmentally sustainable. Right, Now, this is the huge thing for me. We're screwed, but our children are really screwed. Yeah. The air will be less breathable. Because of Trump, the water less drinkable, and the planet more subject to climate change. In fact, losses related to climate change have already reached new highs in the U.S., which has suffered more property damage than any other country, reaching some 1.5% of GDP in 2017. And that's just going to get worse. It's only going to get worse, Despite Trump's promises to bring manufacturing jobs back to the U.S., the increase in manufacturing employment is still lower than it was under Obama once the post-208 recovery set in and is still markedly below its pre-crisis level. The employment rate for working-age males and females while rising has increased less than during the Obama recovery and is still significantly below that of other developing nations.
1: This uptick in the economy has disproportionately benefited the wealthiest people. It, it is the, the cornerstone of this recovery, and they've been using this income to accumulate more stocks and yeah. bonds and things that will benefit them specifically as we move forward and less for the middle class and people working class.
0: People. Yeah, it's stagnant capital. It's not growing anything. Right. It's just sitting there making them money.
1: The extraction economy. They're in- extracting wealth without investing in
0: new wealth. Even judging by GDP, the Trump economy falls short. Last quarter's growth was just 2.1 percent, far less than the 4, 5, and even 6 percent Trump promised to deliver, and even less than the 2.4 average of Obama's second term. That's just crap. It is crap. And people have got to wake up to the fact that Trump is destroying the country economically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is this big advantage by some people's account. It's not an advantage. It's a lie, as everything else about the Trump administration.
0: Meanwhile, West Point officials acknowledged that one of the Academy's cadets had launched a GoFundMe to help him pay the travel expenses for a porn star to join him on a formal Academy banquet. You can do that? Yeah. That's at a formal Academy banquet. I didn't want to have people think the wrong thing there. From the Washington Post, the National Archives acknowledged in a statement this week that it made multiple alterations to the photo of the 2017 Women's March showcased at the museum, blurring signs held by marchers that were critical of Trump. This is just crap. This is the National Archives. It's not Fox News. And they were altering historic documents to make it look like Trump. Was a good guy. Uh, you know, Glenn Creason, our friend from the Los Angeles Public Library who he, helped us on our book many yes, years ago. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, he told me that uh, this is a disgrace to archives and archivists who are bound to protect history. Yeah. It is. I'm embarrassed for the National Archives, and what a funny sentence to have to say. So they are essentially blurring images to make and, it. And Yeah, they're yeah. making it so you can't read things. <laughs> Signs with messages referencing women's anatomy were blurred out, too. If it said, if my vagina could shoot bullets, it'd be less regulated. That's what one of the signs said. They, they blurred out vagina. What's the National Archives about? You have to record history. Yeah, it just really angers me that it comes come it should to be. this. This
1: is the creeping, insidious nature of the Trump presidency is this kind of thing. It's distorting reality, and that's what this administration is all in on, distorting reality.
0: (sighs) From the Los Angeles Times, free tuition at California public colleges helped the state prosper. There is no reason it can't happen again. This is from a column by George Skelton from the Los Angeles Times, who I don't necessarily agree with this guy all I was the just going to say
1: exactly the same. I don't normally feel like I want to read his stuff even, yeah. but this was a good article.
0: Under a new law, California residents could obtain a Cal State University bachelor's degree after four years without paying a dime in course fees or tuition. Of course, they'd still have to fork out thousands of dollars for room, board, and books, so there'd really be no free college. The state currently is paying $85 million for community college fee waivers, Exempting community college transfers from two years of Cal State University tuition, which would cost an additional thirty hundred million million plus in order for this to happen. But you got to also look at the up end of this for local businesses and a better for... educated working. Yeah. Um, a workforce. Yeah, workforce. Yeah. Or a work pool, exactly. Yeah. High school doesn't do it anymore if we're going to compete worldwide. No.
1: And a lot of these opportunities, educational opportunities, have to do with trades, electrical trade, plumbing trade, whatever it is. Well, the things that we actually need, and people can make a living. They can actually raise a family on that. And spend more
0: money. And, and spend boost more the money. the economy. It's yeah. an investment. Yes. And the state can afford it. Yes. Generations of California students attended the University of California State Universities and community colleges tuition-free. It wasn't until the 1970s and 1980s that tuition and course fees began creeping on campuses. That was Reagan. Yeah. yeah. To be eligible for free tuition, a transfer would need to have obtained a community college degree and taken 18 units toward a major. Critics are calling this a free ride. Well, of course they are. And and that includes Pete Buttigieg. Did he really? Yeah, he's a jerk on this. I know. I don't like him in a lot of ways. I'm totally soured on Pete. Yeah. Nobody's advocating for a complete freebie. Tuition represents only 25% of the cost of attending a Cal State school. You got housing, meals, books, parking, all that other way to draw income into the school. They vary from roughly $25,000 at Cal State Stanislaus to nearly $30,000 at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. No, it's, Let's it's, get it's, this thing done. Let's become smarter. It,
1: it, it's a it's a low, a relatively low investment
0: for a high payoff. Yeah, and finally, Facebook apologized for a technical issue in which President Xi Jinping of China's name was translated as Mister Scheithole. <laughs>